You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. Today's episode is another FAQ. We're answering your questions. We're going to jump right in. Okay, Dr. Ken, here's another question from a listener, and it's very specific to this time. However, I do think that many parents can relate to this question. It's a a bit lengthy, so stay with me. I lost my job earlier this year due to the shutdown with the pandemic. Thankfully, my husband is still working. We've talked to our teens about cutting back on our spending, but they just get angry when we tell them no. With back to school right around the corner, they have a long list of wants. When we talk to them about this list, it gets heated. What can we, as their parents, do to make them understand that we've got to tighten the belt, so to speak, in regards to our spending right now? Okay, I love that question because it's an example of what can be so freeing about having a teenager instead of a child. So uh, during a time like this, it's important to be cautious, but let your children know that, listen, we're fine, we're going to be okay, but we do have to cut back on some stuff. And your 10-year-old, 8-year-old may not like it, but they're not going to put usually a huge fight. A teenager, on the other hand, isn't just uh, unlearning about money. Remember, they are young adults, and so they are establishing their own sense of what we can and can't afford. So what that sounds like with a teenager is that when he's going, this, no, I got to have these jeans. These, this is what I need. Well, honey, those are like $85. Um, and I, I really can't afford that. Or those, you know, for my kids, it's a lot of shoes. I've got kids with these tennis shoes that these boys are just like all about. So the best part is if you're having to tell a 10 year old that I'm so sorry, we can't afford that. That's disappointing, but good for them to hear a teenager that's mad at you with, what do you mean? You drive a, 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 a nice car. Why can't you can pay 120 bucks for these tennis shoes? Your answer with a teenager is much better. You can go, oh, those are cool. You should, oh, you should get those. Those are great. Maybe you should get two pair. Okay, here's what I have for you. I've got 40 bucks that's max for the for tennis shoes. So I can contribute that. And then, dude, I can't wait to see them. Get, get, well, I don't have any money. Oh, that that's a drag. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you want to sell something? I mean, I don't know, but anyway, no, those are cool. Do you hear the, I mean, again, I'm exaggerating, but the point is you don't have to get locked into the, how do I explain to this child about money? It's not a child. It's a teenager that Mm -hmm. is an inexperienced teenager. And so you remind them of their power that if you don't like the, the level of money that I have for getting your supplies, I get that you should get what you think you need. But I, this is all I've got to give you. It's a different issue. You definitely can avoid the battle of how do I get into a teenager's head and teach them this thing. You don't. You train teenagers. You do not teach teenagers. You leave them to the real life situation. In this case, sorry, dude, this is all that I have uh, for uh, supplies this year and not going to open my budget for you. It's none of your business. But this is what we have. And I get it that you're frustrated. Why don't you go fulfill your dreams uh, on your own uh, by adding uh, to this uh, amount? Well, I think that this can be training for Christmas 
because Christmas yeah. is right around. Yeah. Not, you know, unfortunately, not a lot of people's finances are changing anytime soon, I don't feel. So yeah. if anything, go ahead and let them down easy now for the back yeah. to school in preparation for Christmas. Yeah. You know, yeah. Teenagers, they're just going to want a gift card anyway. So, um, you know, you can <laughs> kind of start with that. And I think a lot of parents really struggle where their responsibility ends. They're not really sure what yeah. I mm-hmm. am I responsible for making sure right. that they have the cool shoes for going mm-hmm. back to school. And I think you've given parents a lot of freedom, not just the kids, but parents a lot of freedom to say, oh, no, no, it's important that we stay on track financially and yes. that our and that our bills are paid. And so you're going to have to figure this out and giving kids an inspiration to go out and get a job, go out and do That's some right. yard work, whatever do they need yourself. to do, babysit. Get get in there and get involved and make make something of yourself, buddy. <laughs> right? That's it. That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Good. Here's a question from another one of our listeners. So many books advise us on starting young, which I get. But what if you didn't? What if you have a 16 and a half year old that you've let run the household since birth and now you're owning up to that mistake? Are there any suggestions for implementing planned emancipation, freedoms and expectations? at a later age when your teen is wondering where all of this is coming from? You know, that's a really good question that may maybe needs to just consult with a therapist as well, because, you know, it depends on what is the reason that you didn't do these things early. So with with planned emancipation, the key to remember is that you don't start planned emancipation early. It's not a childhood technique. So but if you didn't do what you feel like is a good enough job of keeping this kid from not being too entitled, for example. Uh, you feel like you didn't teach the self-control that I could have. You know, I just have this sort of selfish teenager that I wish that I had been more involved with that kind of thing. Then number one, I don't think you have to feel that unusual. I think a lot of us look back and can see, actually all of us can see the things we did do, uh, the things we didn't do, the things we mm-hmm. did do that we shouldn't have done. So, uh, but if you really do feel like there's a deficit for some reason, then I do think you do uh, sit down with your teenager and let them know that I have to be honest with you. Now that you're older, uh, I'm invested in you being on your own and me letting go of these things. But I have to be honest, I think some of these are going to be tough for you. And I take ownership for some of that. And I'm sorry about that. What you don't do is slow down and not do planned emancipation because I need to finish my work. So, uh, yeah, I would love to tell my 14-year-old you can keep your room the way you want, but he's never kept his room. So what we're going to do is do a good year of making him do it, and then we'll, that, that will absolutely backfire uh, mm-hmm. it, it, because, again, teenagers cannot hear what you're saying as some sort of help. It will be perceived as the most frightening thing, which is you are not ready to move ahead you're still disabled and they just won't respond to it. So you mm-hmm. keep doing the planned emancipation steps, but you uh, need to basically prepare them and you prepare yourself for what is probably going to be a number of failures where they just didn't handle it well. Um, I, you know, let's again, I don't know the examples here, but I know full well that he uh, has always shot his mouth off. I didn't really help with that. And now he's got social media. And this is the second time in a month that because someone called me of what he posted, I've had to take social media again away for two weeks. You can talk to your kid about, you know, this is kind of what I was talking about. I I just feel like I let you say whatever. And I'm sorry about that. But 
um, it's here's the freedom back. You don't take the freedom back. You just hold, you know, hold them accountable for it uh, and, and just watch them have the natural consequences of what you worry about for them. That's what teaches teenagers. They, you still have to train them, even if you feel like the early teaching wasn't as good as it should have been. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It is. Yes. And I can totally relate. It was about that age with my son that I started thinking, I've done everything wrong. I failed as a parent. And some of it was just a lack of maturity on his part. And he's actually turning out okay, you know, but some of it also is just that, that kind of fear and dread of, oh, I only have a year and a half left with them or two years left with them. And have I done all that I'm supposed to do? And so you're questioning everything. Uh, So I think it's kind of a normal time to start to panic. About yeah, and, and that happens a lot. I, that always worries me when someone's like, I only have X number of years left. And I'm like, you mean you have a 10-year-old and you only have two years left? Uh, or do you mean you have a 16-year-old and you only have two years left? Because, you know, your 13-year-old is is when you're done mm-hmm. uh, as far as that part of the, their, their parenting. So it's mm-hmm. not disastrous. It, it is just something that uh, you might take into account in recognizing that as I let them go, I will see them have... Uh, more and more need for natural consequences to come back and hit them. And, you know, that's still the only way to let them grow as young adults. Okay, Dr. Ken, I have another question from a listener. My teenager uses horrible language in her messages to her friends. How can Mm. I get her to see that it's unacceptable? Can Mm. I monitor this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, step one is what are you doing monitoring your teenager's texts? I do Mm. not recommend that. And I know (laughs) a lot of parents will be going, I don't don't know. What? Yeah. Yes. So early adolescence, 13, 14. Okay. You could maybe still do that. I would still tell you, I don't think you're gaining anything. It's sort of like in the old days when a mom found a note in their kid's pocket with the, in the laundry. It's just just bad news that you can't do (laughs) anything about and trying to talk to them about it doesn't get you anywhere. So I don't recommend that you monitor texts and messaging uh, by adolescence. The exception to that is if you really suspect drug use or whatever, um, uh, then you can do that for a while. But in in the meantime, comfort yourself that teenagers talk amongst themselves in ways I'm sure you did when you were a teenager that you wouldn't say in front of your parents. And it doesn't mean you were raised badly. It's just for different reasons. You're you're kind of flowing with your group or whatever, if you have an, an, an actual reason to come across a text without making stuff up, like, I'm sorry, but I did, your phone dinged and I saw that, then you can, again, like we've said in two other questions, advice giving, you can certainly tell her, look, this is none of my business because how you talk to your friends is your deal. But I did see this. I got to tell you, is that language, does that not make you cringe a bit? And just listen, but give advice about it. But But the bottom line is, yeah, if you mean um, I have gone over and over and taught him, I told you, we don't talk like that. No texting. Sorry. You're going to now try again. Then you will have a 20 year old that you still don't let have his thing because he keeps using that language. It's a losing battle. And we're not going to be able to control what they're saying at school or with their friends anyway. This is just a a very permanent location for some of that. But it doesn't mean that we we that we should have told them not to cuss. Of mm-hmm. course you taught them that. That's not why they're doing it. Right, right. Okay, so one of our listeners, and I would say there are a lot of parents that are probably thinking the same thing. I don't like the people that my kid is hanging out with. Can yeah. I ban them from my house? 
Can I make them okay. stop hanging out? <laughs> yeah. All right. Number one, everyone get your answer in your head. You should know the answer to this one. So think for yourself. Now, the answer is uh, no. You should strive not to ban kids that you don't like if they're your teenager's friends. You want to reinforce the freedom that you can choose who you hang with. The exception to that is if this kid is demonstrably rude to you. And, mm. and I, 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 you've got to be careful. Like, There's a lot of teenagers that don't bother to come say hello to you. I don't like a teenager that doesn't look me in the eye and shake my hand. I get that. But that's not a reason to ban them from your house. However, if a teenager has specifically done something to disrespect you, uh, and, and really outside of your own teenager's knowledge. For example, he can't come over because you guys snuck out together and he snuck out of my house. Well, no, your teenager did, not him. I mean, you don't hold that kid responsible. You hold your teenager. But mm-hmm. basically, if that teenager did something to you specifically, uh, mm-hmm. got mad at you and cussed at you or whatever, you can ban them from the house. But I would try not to because it absolutely increases a teenager's motivation to Stick closer to that friend because of the control battle that, see, you can't make me not hang out with them. So try not to. Mm-hmm. There's rare exceptions that you don't have to have some really obnoxious kid that steals food out of your refrigerator. But normally you don't want to you don't want to do that. OK, Dr. Ken, this is our last question, and I think this is a very important one. I know that uh, we deal with this here in my own home. <laughs> so the question is. My kids used to think I was so funny, but now that they are teens, <laughs> they don't think I'm funny at all, and I get a lot of eye rolling. Is this I normal? know. I know. <laughs> okay, I so, so identify with this because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, when my kids were little, I was hilarious. And my and grandchildren. Smart. And I, oh, yeah, smart. <laughs> yes. And then every one of them by 13 I was not funny. I was reduced to being that terrible comedian who's up at front going, oh, that was a joke. And, and, and just, oh, dad. So I totally identify. And, you know, take heart that, number one, you really aren't funny. So they're not doing it on purpose. They really don't think you're funny. So sorry. But number two, they're the least uh, of your audience. Like if you're winning with their friends, and a lot of parents do, Mm-hmm. then they're the they're the the better judge. Uh, the, 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 I'm going to guess this question is most often asked by a dad because the yeah. thing you don't do is crank it up, especially with a daughter who doesn't think you're funny. A dad will be tempted to kind of dig that in and keep mm-hmm. making, you know, there's a whole meme about dad jokes that mm-hmm. some of them are intentionally just to make your kid groan. I don't mm-hmm. think you should not do that, but try not to do that too much. I've actually known dads that that was pretty much the bulk of their interaction with their mm-hmm. teenager. And that gets to be a little unhealthy. So mm-hmm. accept it that, yep, this is a tough crowd and your material ain't hitting well okay. and just let it go and just make sure you don't get to be this aggressive guy that's actually continuing to drop your stuff, even if they don't like it. Um, uh, but, you know, write your best jokes for when their friend's over and uh, let your kids see that, hey, they seem to like me. But I, I feel your pain. I was yeah. reduced reduced to being that guy that said, deep in my heart, I know I'm funny, which is so sad. It's we true. say that all the time. We're like, we are so funny. 
one day you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna remember. You are, you are so lucky to I have like us. The comedy so That's right. We are hilarious. <laughs> and I console myself by thinking that it, actually someday they might like me again and they might think I'm hilarious and smart all over again. You know, my kids do. They they're back, but I gotta be honest, they they yeah, I can still feel they're 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 very sensitive to what I say. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, they don't roll their eyes at me like they used to, but I don't think it ever goes away that it, part of the power of being a parent is that they, they're never quite um, as open to what they don't ever take what you say as lightly as other people will. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Well, for the record, Dr. Ken, I think you're hilarious. Thank you so. very much. And, <laughs> and to be totally honest, when our kids, when they were very little, thought we were funny. Well, yeah. let's face it. It was not hard to be funny. You know, you can make a two year old <laughs> say things over and over mm-hmm. and it always kills every time. So that was hardly, <laughs> hardly the best judge of whether we're truly funny or not. Yes. We've loved answering your frequently asked questions. We hope you've enjoyed it, too. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.